Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bow, and Pastor Adam Osier continued their discussion on the Oxford Confession, looking at Article 27. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary, establishing students in the eternal inerrant Word of God for a life of faith in Jesus Christ and faithful service in His kingdom since 1964. To learn more or apply, look at flbc.edu. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bowe, and I'm joined by... Pastor Jason Goodham. And Pastor Adam Osher. All right. How are you doing, guys? We're all right. Yeah, good. We're, we're back at it here um, for a new arc of episodes, and we are marching towards the end of the Augsburg Confession. And Mercifully, it's and yes. it's apology. There you go. Wait, yes. nice. Yeah, episode, uh, our Article 27... Next group of episodes will be Article 28, and we're yeah. done. Uh, we are hoping to get some very interesting content uh, during the downtown downtime between Augsburg Confession and when we start uh, on the small called articles. We, we got some things in the works, so hopefully we'll we'll take just a little bit of a breather before we dive back into the content. Want to have that break? Uh, a lot of the content in small called articles is going to be repeat from the Augsburg Confession. Uh, of course, Luther states it in a different way, much more directly than Melanchthon. Much more fun. Much more Melanchthon fun. Melanchthon was, he's so staid, you know, he's so proper. <laughs> yeah. There's there's something about a feisty theologian yeah. that really brings the gospel to light. Yeah. I think we need, I think we need to highlight that. Brett, this will be an exercise for you. Brett is the very proper theologian. Okay. Here. Yeah. You're asking Are me. You, I need to be more of the feisty. Yes. Did yeah. you just compare him to Melanchthon? And Jason, you need to be. <laughs> you need to be more like Melanchthon. You need to just quiet down, <laughs> calm down. That's an interesting thing. You know, if if we were to compare ourselves personally with old Lutheran theologians, who would we match up with? You'd definitely be Melanchthon. Melanchthon? <laughs> you're, you're always, you're proper. You're always trying to do the right thing, make everybody, you know, kind of like, I want to tell the truth sure. in the right yeah. way, but I'm going to do it gently. Uh, Jason, you would definitely be Luther. The Luther. And I like to think I'd be I'm, Chemnitz. I'm good with a hammer. I write long emails. Right. Yeah, Chemnitz is a writer. Write and he was the one to just blah, blah, blah. Uh, hey, he, he would, he's so great, but there's just so much information yeah. with Chemnitz. And I like to think of myself as kind of brilliant like that. Uh, okay. <laughs> no? I can't be Chemnitz? That, Who would I be? That, that closing line just sealed the deal. I was, I was thinking you were probably more like a Henry Muhlenberg. Hen Interesting, Henry Melchior. Melchior. Is that the uh, is that the the old uh, the American guy, right? Yeah, the first he, he the, came yeah. to America. Yeah. yeah, the Pennsylvania guy, right? Yeah. Wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah from His your... statues in the in the Capitol. Yeah, the U.S. Capitol. Yeah, I mean, I could do that. I'd, I'd go with that too. Okay. Uh, so anyway, Camden's had a better beard. Happy Reformation Day! No. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I'm thinking one of the episodes between yeah. Augsburg and Smallcall is just going to be 20 minutes of you yeah. reading the Lutheran insulter tweets uh. from Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> just Brett to Bo. get that, that fire feisty, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, get it in me. And we'd have to have unnecessary censorship too, just to <laughs> really make it seem a just lot beep more. Just beep out random yeah. words. Yeah, you are a beep beep. Uh, you know. Yeah, that's no. great. Uh. Horses batuti. Is that <laughs> what they say? Exactly how we. He said it too. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, well, all right. Yeah. So anyway, anyhow, and I guess before we really get started in today's episode, you know, as as we come closer to the end of the Augsburg Confession and its apology, uh, we likely will have an episode. Or
episode or two of Q&A. And so if you have questions, please submit them to us on our website at beinglutheran.com. Uh, the contact, contact us uh, tab on our website. You can fill out the form and send in questions. You can send in via Twitter, email. Uh, yeah, we have yeah. a Being Lutheran pod at Being Lutheran yep, pod. Being Lutheran pod on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brett and I are both on Twitter. You can find us. Uh, we have a. Is there a Facebook page? There is. Yeah, yes. Facebook page uh, or anyone just just find us. But this is a really good time for us to start soliciting yeah. questions for that. Yep. We'd like to get probably two Q and A episodes. Uh, out of the way between Augsburg Confession and Small Called. And again, we're, we're going to be interviewing a couple of guests that we think will be worth your time to listen to yeah. if we can get the schedules hammered out. Yeah. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to the next four weeks talking about monastic vows. Yeah, monas- monastic vows, Article 27. And I'm going to go ahead and read. Uh, once again, this is another long uh, I think there were 60, 62 paragraphs in this uh, article. I'm just going to read the first 14 for us today to get us kicked off on our conversation as we consider it monastic vows, and uh, not just monastic vows, but um, the, laying down the principles that we're going to be talking about um, and as it applies to other things. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and read that for us. Augsburg Confession, Article 27. It says, in discussing monastic vows, it is necessary to begin by considering what opinions have hitherto been held concerning them, what kind of life has lived in the uh, monasteries, and how many of the daily observances in them were contrary not only to the word of God, but also to papal canons. In the day of St. Augustine, monastic life was voluntary. Later, when true discipline and doctrine had been corrupted, had become corrupted, monastic vows were invented, and the attempt was made to restore discipline by means of these vows as if in a well-conceived prison. Uh, in addition to monastic vows, many other requirements were imposed, and such fetters and burdens were laid on many before they had attained an appropriate age. Many persons also entered monastic life ignorantly, for although they were not too young, they had not sufficiently appreciated or understood their strength. All of these, all of those who were thus ensnared and entangled were pressed and compelled to remain, in spite of the fact that even the papal canons might have set many of them free. The practice was stricter in women's convents than in those of men, though it would have been seemly to show more consideration to women as a weaker sex. Such severity and rigor displeased many devout people in the past, for they may... They must have seen that both boys and girls were thrust into monasteries to provide for their maintenance. They must have also seen what evils came from this arrangement, what scandals and burdened consciences resulted. Many people complained that in such a momentous matter the canons were not strictly adhered to. Besides, monastic vows gained such a reputation, as is well known, that many monks with even a little understanding were displeased. It was claimed that monastic vows were equal to baptism, and that by monastic life one could earn forgiveness of sin and justification before God. What is more, they added that monastic life not only earned righteousness and godliness, but also that by means of this life both the precepts and the counsels included in the gospel were kept, and so monastic vows were praised more highly than baptism. 
They also claim that more merit could be obtained by monastic life than by all other states of life instituted by God, whether the office of pastor and preacher, of ruler, prince, lord, or the like, all of whom serve in their appointed calling according to God's word and command without invented spirituality. None of these things can be denied, for they are found in their books." Um, and it goes on from there, furthermore, uh, and so on. So that's that's the what we're going to deal with today, starting on this topic, uh, monastic vows. And so, um, yeah, w- what's going on here? What's the what's the history of of the the back backdrop of of this article? I think even before the history, I want to point out that again, Melanchthon's move here is to introduce the idea of the burdened conscience, mm-hmm. right? And and what Melanchthon argues for in these first uh, several lines of the article is that. The, even Roman papal canon law could have freed some of these people who went into the monastic life or the, the life of a nun superstitiously. And, and you have the, the outcome of this is that you have consciences being burdened and imprisoned uh, with bad doctrine, with unscriptural hmm. doctrine. So that's the issue sure. at hand. Um, going into that... Uh, you know, why do we have monastic vows in the first place? You know, we can kind of do a brief overview of history. It's very interesting also that at the end of what you read, Brett, kind yeah. of the introduction to yep. this, is that it, it became at least the practice in the time of Martin Luther's Reformation, in Melanchthon's Reformation, that uh, that the, the monks and the nuns were being praised higher than pastors. Hmm. What we have to note is pastor is a biblically instituted office in the church and monk and nun is not right so that you know again there's that that tension uh we have examples of vows in the old testament for instance the nazarite vows and things like that where there are some commitments to that but is there any other in the new testament i was trying to think through that as we were prepping for the for this uh episode is there any new testament um indication that any sort of nun or monk-like activities were biblical or prescribed? No, and this is where the the Roman Catholic Church is particularly weak because it's not biblically instituted, so they take a lot of verses out of context. Uh, You find some situational vows in the New Testament. Uh, You have Paul purifying himself in the temple, which is what leads to his arrest in the kind of the climax of the book of Acts. I'm kind of thinking, I don't know the scripture off the top of my head, but thinking of um, those that have chosen to remain single, for yeah, this, the, those who have made for the sake of the kingdom. For the sake of the kingdom, yeah, yeah that's yep. Yeah, and you have um, well, the most interesting vow is at the end of the book of Acts is the Jews that vow not to eat until they can assassinate Paul. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, and I think that's, hungry that, people. It's yeah. possibly the New Testament we, passage. It's, we'll it's deal in with. play yeah. for the New Testament passage to talk about exactly what's going on with yeah. why this is wrong, binding ourselves yep. by our own word, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's no real sense of monasticism. Uh, you, you you get some hermit lifestyle stuff in the Old Testament periodically, but not permanently. Uh, You have Elijah fleeing to the wilderness to recharge. You have Jesus practicing daily uh, solitary time. Solitude. Yeah, solitude. And I think Um, think the better modern application of that would be some sort of a personal quiet time or devotional time. Or even a fast. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, some sort of a personal moment rather than a... Uh, a lifestyle commitment like they're like the monks were required or the nuns were required to participate in. Yep. 
Yeah, so, you know, what you're talking about here is uh, beginning as as kind of like a, a, a maybe a good idea, but not necessarily scriptural, but then getting uh, misused and uh, applied incorrectly. Well, yeah, it's there's I can't remember if it's in this article here or in the Augsburg Confession or if it's in one of the previous articles. There's an illustration or an anecdote in the Book of Concord about St. Anthony. And, mm-hmm. and Anthony was one of the desert fathers in the early church who, uh, for the sake of personal piety, isolated himself so that he could focus on devotion to God. And, and <clears throat> you know, that's all well and good, I suppose. But the anecdote is that he prayed and an angel showed him what was good and necessary for personal piety. And he was actually, you know, in this vision ushered back into town and he showed him someone who was working in their vocation, serving others. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, uh, alongside the, the the trouble we have with taking vows that are not scriptural and, and making one occupation or vocation more pious than another, the problem in the end... Uh, for the monks and the nuns is that they're actually removing neighbors from their life, that they're, they're, they're eliminating people to love. And, and none of this was necessarily the intended history of, of monasticism. So at the very early outset, as, as Melanchthon lays out in, in this article, uh, monks in, in monasteries began as free associations. Mm-hmm. A lot of the early monasteries served as seminaries, and missionary training institutes, especially the Irish monks. This is, you know, once once Christianity reaches Ireland, uh, the, the, mona- the, the monasteries in Ireland actually are sending out missionaries to England and other places. And so they almost operate as, as seminaries and colleges and very, uh, you know, in the, mm-hmm. the Middle Ages. Uh, vows were added as a way to... Um, Kind of curb corruption. So one of the struggles the monasteries always had is they became great places of wealth and, and abuse of, you know, licentious kind of things. That there's always the picture, you know, depending on what you read, like Robin Hood uh, of the corrupt clergy, hand in hand with the corrupt, you know, Sheriff of Nottingham, <laughs> things like that. And, you know, you got Friar Tuck on one hand and the abbot on the other yeah. hand or whatever that looks like. Sure. Um, by the time uh, Canterbury Tales is written by Geoffrey Chaucer. You, you see corruption in the church. And so the vows, this vow of poverty, all, all of the, you know, that St. Francis, the Franciscans, um, the Dominicans, all of these, you have vows of poverty, vows yeah. of chastity, yeah. and that's to curb the worldliness, you know. So the early monasteries were intended to serve communities. They, the, the communities were almost built up around the monasteries, and then they would help the poor, they would, you know, teach animal husbandry or, 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 you know, gardening or whatever. Yeah, like the peas. Gregor yeah, Mendel, yeah. right? Gregor, oh yeah, yeah, right. You know, that was and, later, but yeah. yeah well, the, all these places, at their best, became great sources of uh, science and learning yeah. and things like that. It, I'm, you know, I'm thinking of the book they read a couple of years ago, the Benedict Option. You know, yep. Rod Dreher talking about the Benedictine way of life and. Uh, anyway, that's a that's a whole other topic. But well, and in, in, in Rod Dreher's yeah. take on that, and, and Dreher is Eastern Orthodox, mm-hmm. but his take on that is to be in communities, but to also have the community within the community, where where Christians insulate themselves from the in, uh, the influence of the world, mm-hmm. but then reach out to the world and are in the world with that training and catechesis. The, yeah. the Lutheran answer yeah. to a, a biblically minded monasticism, the Lutheran answer is catechesis, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and it's actually found in the tension between 
between the, the liturgy and in catechesis, so that we come together as Christians and we receive the gifts of God in the divine service. We train our people well, children and adults alike, and we go out and serve in the community in our vocations. We don't necessarily need to isolate ourselves right. in communes. Yep. Uh, I, I'm open to the idea that further down the line, it may be necessary depending on the influence of society. But that's not a shirking of vocation. It's not a shirking of vocation. It's, in that case, you're talking about a necessity, a supporting of one no. another as Christians, much like an Acts 2 situation. Exactly. You know, that's that's different than what this monastic kind right. of view and mindset is. Specifically, and, and I think, you, so we've, we've kind of covered a little bit of it as we've gone through the history of monasticism, but then we get to Luther, right? And and we get to, to Martin Luther, who in his experience and, and how much of this, you know, he writes about it. And, and so it's, it's fairly well known, the story about the lightning storm and he was afraid and he vowed that he would go and save be a me, monk. Saint Anne. Yeah. yeah, save me, Saint Anne. If you do, I'll become a monk, right? Yep. Um, that mentality is kind of interesting to me because we've all been in situations where we've been scared. We've all been in situations where we've made vows to God that, oh, I'll do this if you can get me out of this situation. <laughs> Foxhole. Yeah. yeah. And, and I want to state prayers. that my life is... is Firm evidence that that doesn't work because the, tw- <laughs> because the twins haven't won a playoff game <laughs> since 2002. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh well, yeah, maybe the Vikings have never promised about that. I've just, well, yeah, that's it's already hopeless. But yes, anyway. <laughs> I, exactly. I don't even have. Yeah. There's a line I, I shouldn't say this maybe on the podcast. Uh, it's the even God can't save you now. I, I feel that way about the Vikings sometimes, but you know, even even that might be within his reach someday. Yeah, huh? Right? No, but Luther he he does this. He makes this foxhole prayer kind of thing. Yep. I'm going to die. Help me out. I'm, I'll be, I promise I'll become a monk. And being uh, an honest guy, he does. But the the point in that is you notice in that very act, what is he saying in that moment? He's saying that how did he view the monastery? How did he view the the monkery, if you will? <laughs> and it was it was if I do it, God will you know be happy be with, happy with sure. me. This is the thing I do for God, right? Yeah, and, and it's just another one of the myriad possibilities of ways that we try and build a ladder to climb ourselves to God. That vertical righteousness, the righteousness that I need before God, that is only secured in the cross. It's only secured in the forgiveness of sins found in the blood of Jesus shed on His cross. All of that, it's only there. But we want to. Add. We want to help. We want to get a little bit of the way there, at least, so that we have some leg to stand on. And really, this humility, oh, I'll become a monk, is really, even the vows of poverty become a, a prideful thing. They become an arrogance, because I am trying to, to climb the ladder to the Savior. And it, it always shows up where that there is prescribed piety that is done in an mm. effort to earn God's favor or to demonstrate our, only, our own holiness, it will instantly become corrupt. Yeah. This is the problem. There are, yeah. in fact, uh, Lutheran monasteries, a couple in the United States right now. And great. Again, if you want to practice solitude for an amount of time uh, for the purpose of, I mean, accomplishing the same thing as fasting yep. or refocus. You're free to do that. You're, you're it, free to do that. It's kind of like last batch of episodes, we were talking about Lenten practices yep. of, uh, in your freedom, uh, you're, you can do those things with benefit. Uh, but the difference is uh, the requiring and and uh, laying that that burden upon others. And in 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 history, when this happens, no matter how earnest 
uh, the or the origin is it always comes back to corruption, and so you know, like Melanchthon, like what you read in the article, eventually monastic vows had the same effect as baptism, and mm. we would reject that outright. It was taught in the Roman Catholic Church that the monastic or the the nun's life merits the forgiveness of sins and justification for God. That's an interesting thing. Unpack that a little bit. So you have you have baptism being equated with monastic vows, which one of my one of my pet peeves and one of the struggles I have trying to communicate the Lutheran view of baptism to our more Baptisty friends um, is that the argument is made Lutherans baptize and therefore it's a second way of salvation, which it's not. We it's a means by which God, you know, um, provides delivers, to us, delivers yep. his means of salvation, which is Christ, right? So it's one way of salvation. There's there's only one. And baptism is a means in that. But to say that that monastery um, or monastic vows is are, are the same as or better than baptism is, is functionally saying baptism is just the pledge that our Baptist friends believe baptism to be. It's the work that we do for God, a work of faith, albeit, but a work that we do for God as a declaration and commitment of what. So it's funny that the Catholic Church is actually going that far to say, no, it's just like baptism. But the Catholic Church wouldn't have had that same view of baptism, right? Well, no, and, and so you, you've got multiple layers here, and, and you, the problem is you it's hard to do theology with any amount of nuance when you're writing polemically. Uh, but so the, the Roman Catholic, at least in Luther's time, again, I'm not up to speed on what the Roman Catholics actually confess right now. The Roman Catholic Church of Luther's time taught that baptism removed original sin. Okay. So that Christians still had to wrestle with actual sins committed, but baptism got rid of original sin, which is kind of where you have this Pelagian yeah. or semi-Pelagian view of sure. salvation in the Roman church is that if, if you've been baptized, you actually have a good nature and you can cooperate God with God in salvation, yeah. right? So The you, spark is lit yeah. inside of you and the, you are able to... Fan that into flame. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's a Roman Catholic song, right? Uh, uh, the, the, the way it was, if, if I'm remembering this in seminary now, yeah. the way it was explained to me how the, the monastery or the, the vows earned salvation is that they were your get out of ticket, get out of jail free card for purgatory. And, and I remember that discussion happening so that if you became a monk or a nun or a priest, you did not have to wait in heaven's waiting room and burn off the the temporal consequences of your sin. You automatically, you know, Pasco, collect $200, you're good to go, right? So it's kind of like put in the tough time now, like an entrepreneur. I'm going to work yeah. really hard in my 30s so that I can retire early. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's, a, it's more or less exactly that, right? And what happens is that eventually is meriting salvation. The Lutherans yeah. are right in multiple places. It, you know, again, everything in the Augsburg Confession goes back to Article 4 on justification, right? Mm -hmm. So if, if your entrance into heaven is based on Christ and whatever you do, it will always only never be the and whatever you do. We always displace Christ with our own works righteousness. You can't add to Jesus. Either Jesus says it is finished or he was wrong. 
Yeah. Right. And this is where the vows come in. Okay. If this is on the same level as baptism, well, baptism now saves you, right? Baptism delivers what Christ won on the cross. If our a holy lifestyle delivers that, you don't need Jesus. Mm -hmm. If you can get Mm. part of the way, you can get all of the way, right? And that's Mm -hmm. the reasoning of Melanchthon over and over and over again in the Augsburg Confession. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I keep keep saying to my students here, and this is something that... Here at the Bible College? Here at the college, yeah. yeah. I I keep saying that uh, to them that we have this idea that we need to help God out in some way, shape or form. We're constantly living that. And there's a bunch, and I think this is probably better saved for next week, but the idea that um, this is very much real, the mindset, uh, although it may not involve, you know, really scratchy robes and bald heads um, and chants, we, we do this a lot. Oh, it's, we, it's very alive in the church today. And are, we are constantly thinking that somehow we have to do something to that, that our good works are vertical and not horizontal. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I keep telling my students, you know what? Listen, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you're right. God sees you. If you're in Christ, he sees you as Christ. He sees you no, no uh, worse than Christ. Perfection. And I said, you, you can try to add to that. And I said, if you can do better than Jesus did, go right, go, go for it. You know, if you want to try that, but it's not going to work because like you said, you've completely displaced him at that point. You, you all of a sudden, you know, you become the star of the show, mm-hmm. which you are fully incapable of doing. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Jesus plus anything is really anything minus Jesus. Yeah. We'll, we'll always get rid of it. Yeah. Um, That's a lot of math. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> you can write it out. It's fine. Yeah. Okay, I, I'll well, have to do that. I think this has been a, a good start to this discussion. Uh, I think we're going to have to wrap it up here and uh, leave something for, for next time for our listeners to come back next week and uh, listen as we uh, continue this discussion on monastic vows. All right. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. The Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary invites you to their campus in Plymouth, Minnesota for the 2023 Seminary Symposium. January 11th through the 13th, speakers will consider the influence of the early church fathers and the implications for the church today. Find more information at flbc.edu events. God bless you and have a great week.